The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Spectrumly Speaking. I'm Haley Moss, an author, attorney, advocate, and I'm autistic. As usual, I'm joined here by the one and only, my co-host. <laughs> You're so great. I'm Dr. Lori Butts. I'm a psychologist and an attorney. I can't help but secretly giggle inside every time you giggle when I introduce you. <laughs> it's so it makes me every time it's a little different but it's always adorable I love it I just enjoy when we get to do this honestly I feel like it's been a while how it how has are things been going while. it has been a while good how are things everything here is going good it's just been an exhausting time so I don't think we've talked about it this year but we usually do is that it's National Disability Employment Awareness Month during October and that is usually a very busy time of year for me because everybody's curious about how they could be better with the ADA and how they can be more inclusive. And it just keeps me kind of spinning around and doing something. And it's always a fun time, though. That's great. I, I see your postings on LinkedIn and you look like the busiest person in America. So I, <laughs> I, it's pretty impressive all the stuff you're doing. I, I do think I'm busy, but you don't get to see that in my outside of LinkedIn or outside of events or outside of like consulting. I'm pretty chill in what I'm up to. Like for me, the greatest excitement in my personal life right now is I got a new Nintendo Switch. I got the new OLED one that's like impossible to get. And it just finished downloading my entire library of games. And I'm like, yes, I get to spend an entire weekend eventually just sitting there playing on this really, really fancy looking baby handheld TV. I'm so excited for it. <laughs> I am so old. Whatever you just said, it sounded great, but I cannot relate whatsoever. Um, that means we need to get someone on here who is definitely a gamer. And I know a lot of autistic people love games. I do too. I know that they do, but I, I'm, again, I'm old. Like I'm, you know, I can tell you about the games and they you, that I played as a kid and they wouldn't mean <laughs> anything to you. <laughs> hey, they keep releasing stuff. For, they keep re-releasing stuff from when I was a kid. And that's how I know that I'm slowly getting old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That they're remaking. Yeah, that's they're starting to re, Yeah, they're mm -hmm. starting to remake Pokemon games from when I was a teenager and young person. And I'm like, oh. And I know there's a whole generation of people who are like, this is brand new and exciting. And I'm like, yeah, I sunk. 500 hours into this when I was 13. <laughs> right. When they do that and you start hearing remakes of songs from your childhood, that's when you know you're starting to get old. So you're you're hitting it. <laughs> or you hit the social media platform that you don't know how to use. Looking at you, TikTok. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I think instead of focusing on how we're getting old, we should focus on more of the joy of what we have in store for today's show. I agree. We do have a lot of joy. We actually have a guest again today. Are you excited? It's wonderful. I'm very excited. Me too. Today, our guest is Tony Boucher. And Tony is the author of Autism Translated, Five Keys to Help You Understand and Connect with Teens and Adults on the Spectrum. She has been helping autistic teens and adults achieve their health, relationship, and career goals for over 30 years. Her entrepreneur program 
helps young adults launch their own businesses, and she hosts an online jewelry store where participants in her women's group can sell their handcrafted items. Tony also trains professionals on how to effectively evaluate and support teens and adults on the spectrum. Tony comes from a family of Aspies and was diagnosed in her 40s. She has two manuscripts in the works, Fractal, a memoir, and The Autistic Healthcare Helper, a guide to help your partner with your healthcare professional. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. And to get our conversation started, would you like to share with us how you became involved in the autism community? Yeah. So, you know, years ago, you were talking about age today. And um, back when I was in high school, um, I think when I was a you know, junior, senior, I, I saw, I came across some research about folks on the spectrum and people were saying a lot of things about autistic people. And I just was really fascinated and drawn to them, but I didn't buy the party line. Um, to me, I was um, feeling like there wasn't something right about um, all the, the, what we now know are myths today about autistic people. So I started volunteering um, and working with folks on the spectrum, just really fell in love with them, um, appreciated the honesty, the directness, the, um, you know, the way that I could interact with them. And, you know, here we are years later, and I'm, you know, I'm still working with folks on the spectrum. Tell us about your, I don't know if I'm saying it right, entrepreneur program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the, you know, the needs that the folks that I work with um, express is, of course, meaningful employment. And that is a real struggle for a lot of um, us folks on the spectrum is to find something that's a good fit for us. And, you know, for a long time, I tried to fit into the nine to five, you know, work scenario and it never really worked for me. I was constantly getting burned out and I would do a really good job, but I had really poor boundaries for myself. So I overdid it and then would end up in really, really severe autistic burnout for extensive periods of time where I couldn't do anything. And I gradually, you know, developed, came into my own entrepreneurship entrepreneurial, you know, kind of tendencies and found that um, being an entrepreneur is a really good fit for a lot of us on the spectrum. You can, you know, you can take your passion, uh, whatever that is, and monetize it. One of my obsessions is autism. So it becomes a socially acceptable thing for me to talk about what I'm passionate about um, because it's what I do for my work. And I found that entrepreneurship works so well for me because I, you know, I don't have to do the nine to five. I can really be flexible with my schedule and I can do things in a way that really accommodates my needs as a person on the spectrum. So I found that in working with clients, it was also a really good fit for a lot of the people that I worked for. It's not, you know, it's not for everybody. Uh, but for those people for whom it is a good fit, it's really it really can open doors and be a powerful way to make a contribution to the world. That is super cool. And I'm really glad to know that's out there. And from your perspective, what are some of the ways professionals drop the ball in offering support to people on the spectrum? Well, I think that starts from the get go in the hiring process. So a lot of times an autistic candidate might be the most qualified 
the best um, suited for a position, but because of the way that we interact in the world, we may not know how to sell ourselves as effectively as someone else. And so there's a bias against us actually getting a job that we might be suited for in the first place. And one of the areas where I hear that a lot is particularly on um, online filters. So if companies are hiring and having people fill on online applications, those don't work well as a rule for those of us on the spectrum. They'll ask you a question and um, we will really maybe get stuck if, if it's a question that we um, pick apart and don't feel like we can answer honestly or objectively or um, that we may just really get stuck or if something in that system doesn't work right, we're not able to move forward. And we may not know um, what we need to do to circumvent that, to seek help or to you know, just move on to something else to get through the hiring process. So I see you know, hiring is a big part of it. Hiring also is a very verbal endeavor. You, know, you go in, you have an interview and you talk, talk, talk. And of course, a lot of folks on the spectrum that's not playing to um, a lot of our strengths. A lot of us are more visual, a lot of us are more kinesthetic. So maybe I can't tell you what I can do on a computer but if you pull that computer up and let me show you what I can do, then that's a better way to, um, you know, determine if I'm a good fit as an employee for you. So I think that's a big piece of it is, you know, really setting up the interview and the selection process so that it isn't biased against folks who would, you know, really make great, um, you know, great candidates for the job. Once you get into the job, um, I think, a lot of times employers have a really hard time um, knowing how to make simple accommodations. It's things like fluorescent lights, which can really, you know, cause people to have headaches or not be able to focus. And, you know, having an incandescent light or allowing a person to wear, you know, red lenses, those little things can be really helpful or allowing a person to work in a, like a little separate section away from other people. Those are simple, inexpensive accommodations that can be done that a lot of times employers are um, reticent to do, but can really make a difference for, um, for a person. And then I think there's the, the work culture, uh, you know, it's, I remember when I was in, you know, working um, for the state and it was like, okay, we've got our Christmas party and everybody's supposed to show up and there's this pressure to do it. And I hate Christmas parties. I don't want to show up with a bunch of people. My sensory, you know, overload goes, you know, wired. And then I have to sleep for a week to catch up after, you know, after doing something like that. So there's a lot of pressure to be quote unquote normal. And I think we really need to honor people's differences and see how those can really be harnessed and, 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 and make an improvement in the work culture and add value to what employers um, have, because those differences really can be a great, a great thing if we allow them to, if we change our mindset for it. So it's interesting because you also talk, you're writing a book called um, The Autistic Healthcare Helper. And it seems that that this kind of um, these ideas are might be going into the healthcare system. Your perspective on the healthcare system. So, can you can you tell us a bit about um, having an, an autistic person should have a partner with their someone with autism ha should have a partner with uh, with their healthcare providers? Because it sounds sounds like you're kind of 
branching out from the business world to the healthcare world. And it sounds like these are kind of similar concepts, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, no, you know, Laura, you're absolutely right. It's uh, it's the same principles when it comes to you know, see, you know, seeking healthcare. You know, my my approach when I'm working with you know clients is you know filling those needs where they're needing support, and so I do focus a lot on employment, but I also focus a lot on making sure people have adequate healthcare because that's another really big gap in supports and. Um, what I, you know, I found personally was that I would be helping people do their, you know, getting through the medical system and I would go and do my own doctor's appointments and all the things I was recommending they would do or I was doing to support them. I failed miserably in my own life. Like I would show up to my doctor's visit and I would be in this room with the fluorescent lights and it's overwhelming and, and I would leave and be like, oh, I never even asked that question that I was, you know, that I was supposed to ask. And now I'm really, you know, I'm really worn out. So I developed this um, healthcare helper um, with the idea. I I did that with this with um, a a well-known blogger, Visual Vox. So we partnered on this. Um, And it it was designed as a step-by-step workbook to help people make sure they gather all the materials they have in advance, get their questions set up, and also to you know, know what kinds of things to screen for. As autistic people, we are um, at risk of a lot of secondary or co, you know, co-occurring conditions. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, um, healthcare providers don't know to screen for. And, you know, seizures is a big one. Like we know statistically that folks on the spectrum are more likely to develop seizures. And I know very few doctors who actually screen for that. Even when we know that somebody is on the spectrum, um, we're at risk of vitamin and mineral deficiencies that, um, you know, because we're inside gaming all day, you know, or all night. <laughs> right. all day, you know, so we're not out there getting that vitamin D. Right. Or we have sensory issues for the, you know, the sunlight. So we're at risk of things just by, you know, by our lifestyles and how we're wired. Um, that I, I really think it's important for the medical system to know. But my goal is to put the power into the individual person's hands so that they can advocate for, hey, these are some things I've screened for. And so the healthcare helper actually has a list of screening tools that you can screen for all sorts of things that are likely, um, you know, to be a co-occurring condition. So that, you know, that was kind of the birth of, of that particular, um, you know, workbook, but, but it is the same principles. It's really about not, you know, the medical system, the employment system. Um, We have a long ways to go for, you know, for folks in those systems uh, to really understand how we're wired differently and how some accommodations can really be game changers in terms of, you know, making sure we do have access to, you know, good healthcare or, you know, employment where we can really, you know, make a contribution and, and, and benefit the work, you know, the workplace. Right. And I mean, we talk about these issues quite often on the show and um, they're, it, it's, they're simple shifts and it's mm-hmm. just, I think it's just being cognizant and educated about it as, as the professional or as an employer, um, because it's not, none none of these none of the suggestions are overarchingly difficult it's just Mm -hmm. it's just awareness and education it seems like that's you know bridging that gap to um to be mindful of 
the environment or the accommodations because the accommodations are, are, I mean, are helpful. And this is always my mantra. They're helpful for everyone. Exactly. <laughs> nobody, like, nobody likes for us at light. Exactly. You know, I, exactly. I mean, some, some it's overwhelming. I'm not ch- trying to minimize that, but, um, but even neurotypical people, like they're, they're just horrible. <laughs> like, yeah, just, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I always say what's good for an autistic person uh-huh. is good for everybody. Right. If I an agree. Autistic mm-hmm. person has an issue with something, I think society at large needs to be asking the question, is this good for society at large? Because we're frankly the canaries, <laughs> you know? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. You're abs- you're, uh, you know, you know, and the other thing about that is I think when we're talking about making simple shifts, it's really about shifting away from the medical model that, Oh, there's something really inherently wrong with these people because they're not acting quote unquote normal and really shifting to the idea that there's, there are so many different ways that people can be wired. And when we honor how different people are wired, we may make room for everybody's potential to, you know, ha, you know, to show up and for people to really um, be, you know, the people they're meant to be. And, and, you know, when we're trying to put everybody in a box and make everybody comply and be quote unquote normal, we're really, you know, we're really cheating society at large um, out of the creativity and the beauty and the wonder of, you know, the uniqueness that each person, regardless of how you're wired, regardless of, you know, whether you're on the spectrum or have any other sort of neurodiverse wiring, you know, we're cheating ourselves as a society out of that. So looking at that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful perspective. That's absolutely, uh, you know, a hundred percent right. You're, you're missing on the, the, the creativity, the, the diversity, the, you know, the different thoughts and ideas that come out of different perspectives. You're under, yeah, that's a great way to put it. I've just been enjoying listening and I couldn't agree more. And I love that idea of how we're the canaries. I, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've learned a lot and I know our listeners surely will too. How can we learn more about you and follow along with all the great stuff that you're doing? So probably the best way to reach me is at my uh, website, tonyboucher.net. And I, I, I love responding to people's emails. Um, I'm at Tony at tonyboucher.net. You can reach out to me. I'm not, I don't have a big social media presence. It's something that's very exhausting to me. And it causes me anxiety. So I've just learned that's not the best way to go for me. And if you wanted to get the book Autism Translated, um, you can go on Amazon or you can go on my website to do that. We're going to be talking about some of the benefits of entrepreneurship for folks who are autistic and how we can get started. Mm-hmm. I love it. And how do, how do people get started? As you realize maybe traditional employment isn't working or you have a really great idea, what do you think people should be thinking about? So for me, I really believe that you start with what you're passionate about. Uh, You need to really focus on what you're already interested in or what what already lights you up and makes you excited. Uh, and then you find a way to, you know, to monetize that from there. If you're not passionate or excited about it, 
um, then really, you know, it's, I think it's really hard to, you know, show up every day and be excited about doing your work. Um, you're just going to procrastinate and it's, it's not going to be fulfilling. Um, so that that's in my entrepreneurship program that I do, that's how we start is we begin with, you know, figuring out what, what it is you're passionate about. And then mindset, you know, I know it doesn't matter if you're autistic or not. Mindset is a big, big piece of being successful in, in business. And we've got to really, really focus on any of those unhealthy thoughts or assumptions that, you know, prevent us from being successful. Haley, you, you just started, turned into an entrepreneur. No, I mean, you've been I able to. I didn't plan on it, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's also different when you're selling services versus selling products, but that's kind of my understanding. I think I know when we're thinking about entrepreneurs, I think about folks who do make products more often than that are selling services. I don't know why, but that's what happens in my little brain. That's because like I work with a lot of folks in my program who are selling services. And so I, I see it differently. I see it as entrepreneurship. You can sell your, you know, yourself, your business, your services, just as much as if you have a, you are the product. So in my mind, that's how I look at it. I think that's what isn't connecting in my head is realizing, oh yeah, you are the product. Mm -hmm. You big silly goose. <laughs> but, but yes because I, I do sell services so I also do consulting I do I I do a lot of events I do all of that stuff and I I love it I didn't think this was what I was going to be doing but I realized there was a demand that my background was unique I thought it was something that was going to happen and I think when you're doing something else and especially for me because I was in a traditional law firm job before that it was a whoa I was not expecting this to be where I was going to end up going, but I'm all in. And I think a lot of folks, at least from what I see in the people who talk to me are usually people who struggle with the legal of it all. So the contracts or what kind of business structure do I do? But I know that's probably not as interesting to talk about, to be honest. I think it's really important, though. And I think, you know, when you're talking about making sure that an autistic person has success in employment, You've got to not make assumptions that they can figure the those details out on their own. You know, for example, in my program, when I train people, you know, we do the mindset stuff, but we also, we look at areas where people might have a gap. Like if I tell most people, go down and get a business license at, you know, City Hall, maybe the typical neurotypical can just do that, no trouble, but there might be a whole host of issues or barriers that would get in the way of an autistic person doing that. And so we got to take a really close look at that and figure out what are those barriers. And the legal stuff, frankly, is necessary and it's terrifying to a lot of people. So a lot of times people just avoid it or it prevents a person from moving forward on their business. Because you know how, you know, a lot of us autistic folks are, you know, if we get stuck finding a way to circumvent or knowing when to ask for help, that can be really difficult for us to do. So a lot of times we'll just get stuck at that barrier. So it may not be exciting or, or glamorous, but it sure is important. Yeah. And I, I think one of those things in that not glamorous category is even figuring out a business structure. So do you go with a corporation? Do you do an LLC? Mm -hmm. do you, are you going to be a sole proprietor? Like all of that stuff is really messy. 
And I know come tax time, it's everybody's least favorite thing in the world to deal with. But I look at it as I am autistic. I also went to law school. I took business law and I still struggled with setting all that up when it was time to do it because I never felt like what my background was prepared me either. And there's so many different things. And I know depending on where you live, that process might be different too. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to give advice on how you should structure your business per se, but I'm just saying there's so much to be thinking about. And I think having a great support system, especially as an autistic entrepreneur is really important is having someone that you can trust. So whether that's an accountant or you have anything else kind of in your way or it or on or in your corner, not in your way. Why would, why would supporters be in your way? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe exactly what you meant. And you I know, but now I'm like, I see that's the thing is I think as I talk and then I'm like, wait, that sounded very, very wrong. <laughs> but your, your point is really so, so true that, you know, it's, you know, it's not something you do alone. I mean, there's, in our culture, we like to talk about how we're so independent and we value independence, but we're not independent. We we rely on Whole Foods or Publix to get our groceries to us. You know, we're, we are interdependent and it's okay to seek support and seek help. Uh, and I think a lot of times those of us on the spectrum have a hard time, you know, doing that. And it's it's crucial for us to do that, to be, you know, to, you know, to have success in business, but in life in general, too. I mean, being a successful entrepreneur and running a business is difficult. I'm going to do my reframe is difficult for people that are neurotypical. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, again, all of these suggestions are wonderful and they're wonderful suggestions and they can be tailored to anybody that's, that's getting involved in business because it's, it's, it's an over, because you have a passion for one area it doesn't mean that you know or understand all the other like boring intricacies of administering and you know and doing all the other stuff so like like anybody who's creative has this thought and idea in this one area and and the prop they fall tend to you know if they tend to fall apart it's because they're not business minded so it's that you know you know what your strengths are and your weaknesses are, you need to recognize to get the support for those weaknesses. Um, I, you know, I went to law school and I'm a, I'm a lawyer and I'm a psychologist, but, you know, I need a lot of assistance in business management and running a business because that's not in my wheelhouse. That's not anything I learned in school. Um, you know, um, and so we all, we all need these supports and, and to know, to know who to access because you don't know all the answer. You don't know what you're missing mm-hmm. when you're, when you're, when you're going into a business, like you, you know what you want to do, but you don't know what pieces you're missing, especially the first time you're involved in a business until you start talking to people. And then they say, no, you need to think about this and this and this. And these are things that, that usually aren't on your radar. One of the good, one of, I mean, just in general, one of the good things that helped me was um, the Small Business Administration um, website. I mean, it gets confusing, but they do have some good kind of flow sheets and step-by-step kind of processes to, to go through. But, um, but it's also, they try to, to boil things down to help you kind of think about, about things like, you know, getting a tax ID or, you know, things that you, are not on your radar when you have this passion for, 
for creating a small business or something like that. So anyway, that's my diatribe on, on I, I think, you know, my one thing I've said for years and years and years is um, lawyers and, and doctors um, need to have practical courses when they're in grad school, especially physicians and psychologists about businesses because they're, they, you know, they are entrepreneurs, even though they are healthcare providers, you know, if they open up their own practice and nothing that we are taught in, you know, in those endeavors teaches you how to, how to run a business smoothly. Um, and so mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of very well-educated people that have um, difficulties running, running a business and need a lot of help doing. So true. So true. Mm-hmm. 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 So sorry, I kind of took us off on a tangent there, but hey, I appreciate we, it. <laughs> but we all need help, you know. We we all we all really need help, and 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 um, entrepreneurship. I admire I, I admire every entrepreneur because it's 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 a lot of different tasks, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so most of us are are good at maybe one or two, but not mm-hmm. ten. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. And mm-hmm. you know, entrepreneurship is a great, I think, microcosm or fractal of the world. So, you know, when you get into entrepreneurship, you really face your demons. You really face your insecurities. You really face all those things about yourself. They show up and they're magnified. So it's a great way to grow as a human being, I have to say. Uh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. You're forced to deal with your stuff this way. And I just want to say, we talked a lot about like the complexities and the intricacies of business as an entrepreneur. And I think that's very 100% true. But for any of those listeners out there, who would be considering entrepreneurship, I don't want you to be scared away from it. It's, you know, it is doable and there are people out there to support you. And part of the process of, you know, starting your own business is just jumping in and taking your baby steps and, and making mistakes along the way. I mean, you don't have to be perfect. You start and you grow and you build and you improve on, on what you have. So it's not like you have to have this perfect, you know, scenario, this perfect business um, all set up. It's just, you know, getting in there and starting it um, is really the way to go. So I really encourage anybody who's interested in that to, um, you know, to give it a try. You know, you don't really have anything to lose by doing it. And I think Kaylee is a good example of that. She doesn't even real. She didn't even realize she's an entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, I do. You know? I just don't identify strongly with it. I don't know why. Right. I just don't really identify with the idea of entrepreneurship. But you started out with a passion and and had an idea about what you wanted to do, and and slowly you've built it. You've learned trial and error, and 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 it's still building and changing and evolving. But it's you know that's you you took a leap of faith mm-hmm. by leaving kind of a nine to five job and, and following your passion and, and, and it, it's always evolving and, and you're doing great. It's amazing. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. You're doing great. I'm going to get there. It'll be okay. You're already there. <laughs> I, have yeah, faith I, in, I have faith in myself. It's a process. It's not like a destination. I think that's the thing is you are exactly I, you, Lori, you're there and and, and it's perfect where you're at right now. Um, you're offering a service for people and people are grateful that you, you know, you're there to, to provide that and it will evolve over time, but you're there now. Mm-hmm. That is true. 
I'm excited for it. And I think that realizing we're continuing to grow is always really exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you don't know what's what's in front of you, right? You know, things will just evolve. Opportunities will, you know, as you put yourself out there and, and doing your, you know, your th- opportunities will come up that you didn't anticipate and you either say, oh, this is great. Let me go down that path or, you know, it's not really for me and I keep on the path, but I, things will keep you know, evolving for you. Lori, I think that's so true. I mean, I got into my business precisely because there was a need. I mean, I was working with people of all ages and I realized, gosh, these teens and adults who are, you know, present atypically, they're highly verbal, they're really bright. Nobody's helping these guys. It's just like, oh, you don't need help because you you drive or you, you know, you have mm-hmm. a family or, or a business. So you can't, you know, you don't need help. And so um, that's how I did what I did was I was, you know, responding to a, a need that our community had. And that's the beauty of how, what we do can evolve over time. And as long as you're responding to a need, um, and doing it, you know, with care, it's, you know, that's, I think what makes a successful, you know, business. Mm-hmm. I think it's just really important when we do talk about entrepreneurship and I don't want people to be scared. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. It's scary when you get started, but you eventually, I think, find your footing and there are people who are rooting for you. Yeah, it is scary, but that's just the reality of so many things in life. Just because something's scary doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. A lot of times the scary things are really the things that are worthwhile in life. Yeah, it's terrifying to start your own business. It's terrifying to you know take those risks. But it's worth it, you know, and and so, yeah, don't, you know, don't be shy of doing something just because it's scary. I appreciate that. And I'm rooting for you. And I think that you're rooting for all of us, too, which yes, is always really cool. Yeah. I think that's a great note to end our discussion on, too, is that we are kind of rooting for each other and we all we all want to be successful. And I think that it's an important way to see things is that you do have folks who are going to be in your corner and support you if you are an autistic entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, be sure to check out differentbrains.org and check out their Twitter and Instagram at differentbrains. And don't forget to look for them on Facebook. If you're looking for me, you can find me at hayleymoss.com or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or if you're really feeling saucy and are feeling in this workplace vein, you can also find me on LinkedIn. As for our absolutely incredible guest, Tony Boucher, please visit her online at tonyboucher.net. That is T-O-N-I-B-O-U-C-H-E-R.net. I can be found at cfiexperts.com. Please be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and don't hesitate to send questions to spectrumlyspeaking at gmail.com. Let's keep the conversation going. Spectrumly Speaking is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.